Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the final episode in our Blueprints podcast series. Today, I sit down with Sean, and we talk about what it means that the church is a home. How can we make the church feel more like a home to those who feel like the church has kicked them out of their home? And how can everyday congregants bring their own unique spiritual gifts and talents to make the church feel like a place where everybody is welcome and loved? I really liked this conversation because it felt really unique to Coastline, and it felt really unique to this sermon series. I think when you do a vision series, you're so focused on the future. Where are we going and what are we going to do when we get there? But I feel like Blueprints was a series that helped expose where we are at with this church already. And I think we're in a really awesome place where everybody's welcome. Everybody feels like they are a part of the people of Coastline. And ultimately, it feels like everybody is home. And so we've really enjoyed the sermon series. I've really enjoyed all of these podcast conversations. I've recorded them over, you know, several months now. And uh, it's just been a joy every time to talk to the person speaking and talk to different people about these ideas that come up in scripture and how we can live them out as a family. And so hope you enjoyed this final conversation with Sean. And I hope that you continue to come to Coastline and, and ask yourself, how can I participate here to make this place home for other people? Thank you. And we will see you next week and every single week after that. Sean, what's your relationship with Ty Pennington and Extreme Makeover Home Edition? (laughs) Here's the funny part. I was going to say, Hunter, like, it's just you and I on the podcast. There's no rules, no breaks. Why say anything like that? No one's going to stop us. Talk about Ty. You and I could get as far off track as we want to, and you open with Ty Pennington. So I could say that, or I could say... Respond to this comment or what is, what, it, what happens in your body when I say this, move that bus. <laughs> you can choose uh, I to watched respond that show. to either of those. We loved it. I mean, that was back kind of like a, a golden age of television, right? Where, man, you just had to watch every week and see the house. I think the houses were famously poorly built, right? Like I think they got sued by families. What can you do in a week? Dude, I don't know. Like I, a lot of that stuff, I just... I'm, I'm, it's television. I'm sure they did a lot of it. I'm sure they're really nice. I'm sure they're nice homes. I'm sure people enjoyed them. I enjoyed watching it. It made me feel good. Yeah, it's a it, it's all the good you needed to do for the day to just watch somebody else get a nice house. If, if you do no further good yeah. than watching a television show about somebody else giving somebody else a house, you've done it for that day. I loved that show. I loved it so much. I was always like, dang, I want a drum set in my garage. And I want a music studio in my kitchen and I want a fish tank. That's, you know, an led screen that can play video games. Like the, it was the height of just weird stuff. I just thought it was so awesome. Every week had to be a little bit bigger and a little bit better. And the celebrities they'd get to come through like, Oh my gosh, look who's in your bedroom. It's exhibit. And it's like, Whoa, this is crazy. I never thought exhibit would be in my bedroom. And, you know, they would just move that bus and people would have the homes of their dreams. Whatever happened to Ty Pennington too? Like, it feels like his celebrity didn't age well. Like, he's just wow. he's just gone. Uh, I've Googled a lot of stuff in my life, but I don't think I've ever Googled Show Ty notes. Pennington. Show notes if you want to see the Wikipedia link to what Ty Pennington's doing today. You know what, though? I bet he's still out there building stuff. He got the bug. He but can't get rid of it. He still got that sweet, sultry baritone of a voice that oh, yeah. sounds like a chain being dragged through gravel. Okay. That's a little harsh on my guy, Ty. <laughs> he doesn't need that. I called it a sweet baritone. He doesn't need to catch that stray from you right now. No. He's probably just good living hair? his life. Yeah. Famous. Great good hair, hair, great tan. Mm-hmm. And 
I mean, this could be the last thing to say about it. He would have, or the, or doesn't have to. Hunter. Yeah. I mean, we. This is why people came here. You know, last week with Garrick, it was really serious. We talked about his eye surgery and Rubio's the whole time, <laughs> and so today we're really getting into it with with Ty Pennington. But remember, he always had his own little secret project. This is really yeah, inside baseball right. of yeah. Extreme uh-huh. Makeover uh-huh. Home Edition. But there'd be like the you know the landscape guy and the tech guy and then the painter gal and then Ty would be and he's like oh this is my secret project and then he would always take the family member who'd experienced the most trauma and show them the room that they got from him <laughs> and it was always themed to whatever they loved sure. oh hey there's no Joanna Gaines without a Ty Pennington dude Joanna Joanna run because he walks because Ty walks that's that's exactly exactly <laughs> true there would be no Magnolia without moving that bus no, uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. It'd just, just be a silo somewhere. And they now just it's a swap theme park. out the bus for a big like screen that they move? I don't a know. picture of the house. I could not pick either Chip or Joanna out of a crowd. They could walk in this room right now and I'd be like, Oh, the Spectrum guy's here. Yeah. Chip is the apple that fell from the Ty Pennington tree. Wow, that's beautiful. I wonder if he has recognized that in his own life and he's maybe paid dues. Or is he just like, I don't know who that is. I don't, mm. I've never seen that man before in my life. <laughs> no, he he knows exactly what he's doing. He's just following the Ty Pennington outline and just he's just adding a little bit of color and shade to it. Do you think Ty is mad at Chip? Yeah. Do you think he feels like that should have been him? That's the next season of Serial. It's the Ty Pennington Chip Gaines drama. Yeah, just to watch somebody come after you and do the exact same thing but as you. But get a TV network out of it. And in silos. And you know why? It's because Chip's a Christian. <laughs> the Lord blessed him differently than Ty. <laughs> he followed his blueprint. Wow. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next weekend. How long was that right there? Eh, five minutes. Oh, uh, that's good. Uh, we'll, good. See, we'll see. Probably not going to keep Felt that. Felt like we were vibing. No, yeah. we have to. Oh my gosh. I'm. That's the difference between when you and I do a podcast and when I do it with everybody else. I know I'm going to keep the banter with everybody else, but with you, I'm like, we might cut this. <laughs> this it, might not last. Because again, we have no idea where it's going to go. The reason that I bring up Extreme Makeover Home Edition is because your sermon is about <laughs> church being a home for yeah. people and a spiritual house as it says in scripture. And I think that's a very, very interesting metaphor, a very interesting image to use when you think about church because we've been doing this blueprint series and it's kind of all been leading to this moment. You mm-hmm. don't have blueprints for unity. You don't have blueprints for X, Y, or Z, the things we've been talking about. You really only have blueprints for a home or something you're building. And mm-hmm. so It's kind of always had to lead to this point, like what actually is the church and church being home, I think really aligns with Coastline's vision of church being a family. Mm -hmm. But I think home is a very loaded term for people, just like family is, but Mm. home for some people isn't safe. Home for some people is safe. Home for some people is just an idea. For some people it's everything. And so why do you think scripture uses the idea of a home the Lord knowing full well that that's going to be a loaded term for people. Why do you think that is the metaphor that our biblical authors use to talk about the church? What a good question, Hunter. You brought up so many things that I hadn't really actually thought about. I think, how about, I'll try to answer it in two ways. Why does the Bible use the phrase home? I think that's partly because when the Bible's talking about home right here, if you look at in uh, the first Peter chapter two, which is where I'm basing the sermon out of first Peter chapter two, it actually doesn't use the word home. It uses the word spiritual house, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of a strange play on the phrase. And so the question is like, what is a spiritual house? What are they saying that God's building a spiritual house And what they're alluding to there, which we lose because of kind of 
of the day and age that we live in and the American culture we live in, they're talking about the temple, mm-hmm. which is God's house. So if you don't know a lot about the Bible, um, that for most of Israel's history, from the time they kind of established their kingdom, they have a tent where God would meet with them, but eventually that tent becomes a permanent dwelling in the center of Jerusalem where God would live in his temple. It was his place, his throne room on the earth. It was his house. After Jesus comes and dies and raises from the dead, people come to believe, the Christian church comes to believe that actually the church is now the new temple, that they are now the place that God's spirit dwells, and they are now his presence here on the earth. And so there's a shift that goes from the Jewish temple to the church. And so when when Peter's talking here, what he's trying to help people know is, you're the new temple. Mm. You are the place where God's going to live, and you are going to be his spiritual home here. Now, this obviously makes a huge change, and I think it's 70 AD when the temple's actually destroyed and it's gone. You can go to the ruins of it today, but the temple is gone. Um, and so the Jews have to have to deal with that complexity. But for us in the church, it's kind of been a natural break mm-hmm. um, that we no longer would have to look to a physical temple because we are now the home that Christ has built. So that is the language that they're using in this passage. They're using temple language. They're using it here because that would have been meaningful and significant to people in that day. Now for us, why is it used for us as people who have complicated relations with home? I think even if you have a difficult family, a difficult um, home life, if it isn't necessarily a place of peace, there still is in all of our minds, I think, that idealized home. We all know the the perfect picture of home that looks something like a Pottery Barn magazine with big tables and wonderful like dishes of food served and where there's always laughter. And um, I think we have that idealized picture there. And I don't think the churches or, or the scriptures are shy about saying the church can be that. And at its best, the church should be that. Um, so I think it's eliciting both the past of the Old Testament and tapping into kind of that heart's longing that we have. Yeah, I, I like how you kind of use the idea of like redemption history to talk mm-hmm. about why home and this idea of home is important. You think about how God's rule on earth has always been, and I'm, I pulled a book for my shelf, Gospel and Kingdom by Graham Goldsworth, and he talks about this paradigm of reading the Bible of God's kingdom, and God's kingdom is just simply his people, place, under his rule, mm-hmm. people place rule. And you can look at like Eden, you can look at you know, the wandering in the wilderness, even in Egypt, all those things. But Jesus becomes God's new people, new kingdom, new rule, but also God's new place dwelling on earth. And mm-hmm. the idea of home shifting from a very exclusive localized thing to a very diverse big thing. And I really like that concept for Coastline because that's what we're after, to make Coastline this big, sprawling, diverse family where everybody's welcome, everybody feels that love of God under God's rule. Mm -hmm. But you also did kind of name that home is tough for people. It could Mm -hmm. be the ideal, like, man, you come here, you feel the love of God, could be difficult. And I also want to name that church is also that for people. And so when someone's going to church on Sunday or seeing this podcast and they're seeing it's called the church's home, what would you say to someone who's like, the church is not my home? I have been feeling like I am a runaway from the church because it is not my home. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a really big question. I, I would think that there's probably a, a lot of reasons why you could feel that way, right? Some of them good, some of them maybe, maybe some of them need to be considered a little more closely. I mean, certainly um, you could be, 
you know, looking at the scriptures or looking at the identity of Christ, looking at his claims of being um, the only way to the Father. And you could be struggling with those things. And so church could not feel safe to you for those reasons. And in that way, when I think the church is probably a natural push or an appropriate push on our hearts, right? Mm. To force us to face some of the ways that we're struggling against God. And so um, part of that, if you're not feeling like you ever want to go to church again because of some of those things, well, then there's probably some work for you to do there to to figure out exactly where do those threads go and um, and consider kind of where are the places where you are resisting him in a way. Um, I think people might feel like the church isn't at home because it's hurt them, it's yeah. disappointed them. Um, and uh, I think there's been a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think part of that um, is sad and, and tragic. And, and, um, and I, I guess I don't want to solve that other than to empathize and say, man, I really understand. I've been there too. And um, it really feels like a profound loss when you've loved a place that has been a home and has been a family to you when suddenly it's gone it's really deep and it's a grief. And so all I can say is just, just, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. And I think maybe just, there's another person out there who has gone to a church and didn't like it. And I would say, keep looking, you know, keep, keep looking because I think God's ultimate plan is for all of us still to be in a church. I mean, this whole thing that we do in Christ is always done together. It's always done in a family. We're connected to a body. We are a people. He calls us a nation it's always corporate. And this idea that you can live this Christian life alone is just not something that you ever really see in the Bible. And so if you try it, and I think a lot of people are trying it right now, you know, we just kind of fill in your spiritual life with more podcasts and more worship music. Um, What you will lose is the experience of sharpening and of love and of family that exists of believers in a place. And so if you need to step out of church for a season because you're hurt, you couldn't find one or I understand that. Do that. That makes a lot of sense to me. But I would say, what is your route back? Because God's ultimate plan is always for us to be connected back to other people. And that's good for you personally, emotionally, and spiritually. You're just not going to grow the way you want to by simply listening to more podcasts. Do you find that as a pastor, people are still kind of drawn to like the lone wolf Christianity? Like I don't need a church or I don't like that church or I have... I'm doing my own thing, but I'm still a Christian. Like, do you find that it's a very popular belief set? What I think was happening pre-pandemic is that due to just the the incredible nature of the internet, we were able to listen to so many pastors and preachers and churches, and we could go to ours, and then also we could enjoy all these other churches. And so people were, were attending one faithfully in family and in relationship, but in a way like technologically visiting others. Mm. What I think ended up happening after the pandemic is just our patterns of attending church were changed. Some of the relationships were different. When we went back to church, it looked different, felt different. The relationships, some of the same people weren't there and people have just not quite gone back. Um, And so I think now we are more prone to just visiting churches on the internet, listening to sermons, but we're not actually really belonging places. Um, And I don't think that was ever intentional. I think that just kind of happened to us and habits were broken and, and we're a little bit adrift right now. And I think that that's probably playing itself in all kinds of interesting ways that aren't really healthy, healthy in our relationships with Christ. It's ironic to think that during COVID we were home so much 
and the church being home, mm-hmm. it's that idea is not drawing people into church. Like you were home in the pandemic for most of the year, you know, for a lot of people for a lot more, more than a year. And you were home. I can't wait to get back to church, back to church. And if church is home, why aren't you back yet? Yeah. I think again, it's, I just think that for most people when they went back, I, I don't want to repeat myself, but um, the person that used to sit in the row in front of them wasn't there. Families relocated out of state. People mm-hmm. passed away. Yeah. Um, churches fractured and were different. And suddenly, though you went back to the building, the actual people were different. And sometimes even maybe the, some of the convictions of your church had changed. They had taken stronger stances that you liked or didn't like. And suddenly, home changed for people. And so I think a lot of people just came out of the pandemic talking all along. All I want to do is go back to church. All I want to do is worship together. I, I hate worshiping on TV, but when they actually got there, uh, it was like the family had changed and it just wasn't the same place it had been. And that's worthy of noting and grieving and lamenting. Uh, but I think we're stuck in that place right now where we're just, we're a little more isolated than we ever thought we would be. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think you're naming a lot of things that people have experienced. And you said something I want to circle back to we go back to the building. Mm-hmm. So church is not the building, it's the people. That's what makes it home. Is that mm-hmm. what you're saying? Well, I think that we would say that's true, but I, I do think physical space matters, man. Like I do think that like that's just, um, physical space does something to us. And I think for some of us, being outside of the familiar physical space is, is hard as well. It should be the people, right? It should mm-hmm. be whether I'm at a park or the beach or a building, it's always the people. But architecture matters too. I found that to be true, at least for me. Yeah. And we're lucky to be at St. Andrews where it is a beautiful building. Sure. And I bet some people post COVID are like, I want to have my sense of awe and wonder really tapped because I have been in my home for so long. Yeah. I just, I just am continually thinking about this idea of the church being home and home being difficult for people. Yeah. And And I wonder like with your sermon talking about, you know, individual gifts and the way that people can bring their spiritual gifts to the church. I think so often we frame it in like, how can I best minister to people? But I think the question that I have is, is, is should we really be asking like, how can my spiritual gifts make this place more of a home rather than how can I make this church more of a church? Yeah. Yeah. And I think here's, here's the thing that popped into my head and, and you can tell me we don't want to go that way, Sean, but like a constant theme in scripture is, is, is that of spiritual and actually physical homelessness. Mm-hmm. When you mm-hmm. think of Eden, the loss of being kicked out of Eden. Oh yeah. Uh, being brought into slavery in Egypt, wandering in the wilderness. Exile. Exile into Babylon. Um, Diaspora. Ch- yeah. Jews scattered, church scattered and sent to the nations. Like if you've ever felt like somehow you are not um, at home, in some way where you are or with God, like that is, that is real spiritual space where God does some of his best mm-hmm. work, some of his most important work. Um, refining work in the wilderness is always kind of that place where God does intense work on his people. And so, um, yes, of course we want to build a home um, because partly God is always calling us um, into family, into building the church as his home. And also, you know, just into eternity, like ultimately yeah. to be with him in home. And so this kind of feelings of homelessness that we feel right now, um, I just want to point out, they might be really good for us Mm -hmm. because that's how God has worked with his people throughout history is to put them in places of feeling spiritually homeless. 
And inversely, if you aren't feeling that with such poignancy right now and you're like coastline or whatever church I go to is my home. Yeah. You are now tasked with making it so for others as well. Oh, right. Dude, like yes. the idea that your sense of homeness, yeah, not homelessness, homeness makes you the perfect candidate to say, no, let me show you why this place can be home. And I think that's where the idea of mm-hmm. gifts come in. And so Practically, Sean, from your perspective, we've, we're planting this church and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. We, we talk about this all the time, but it's so funny to have these little like pragmatic philosophical questions still mm-hmm. come out. So like, what is your philosophy behind like empowering congregants to make a church home? Like how can you as a pastor push congregants towards using their gifts, whether it is hospitality or yeah. prayer or X, Y, or Z yeah. to then make it a home for people. Yeah. Well, I do think like Ephesians, I've quoted this verse a lot, Ephesians four eleven. I think it goes to 16, you know, it says that this is why God has appointed pastors, the prophets, you know, right. the people in church leadership, which is to equip the saints of God for good works that God's created in advance for them to do. Isn't that the thesis of like your Hurley manifesto? Yeah, man, it was. <laughs> Living on a cloud somewhere. God's. Oh, I think it's not. I, think, I, I have yeah, it on my computer somewhere. Sure. Right. God, like my job is to pass off the work of the kingdom to people and to help set them up to do it really well. Uh, I do think that you can learn from a sermon intellectually, but I think we only really grow by doing. Hmm. And That's so um, I can teach, 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 but you have to have a place to ultimately grow and try and fail and struggle and have junior high girls who won't listen to you during Bible study. Not me. And to lead worship in moments of transcendence when God absolutely shows up and to make decisions about finances and figure out how to allocate them best for the kingdom and then watch the fruit of that kind of happen. Like we need people serving in so many different ways because it's in the process of doing that, that we have to take risks and steps of faith and trust and pray and reach our own limitations and watch God do and show up. So we have to hand off as much of the work of the church to other people, which is also really hard to do. Why is it hard? Because I don't, I'm just not, a. Here, let me speak personally. I'm not a great delegator. <laughs> I'm a great doer. I get a lot done. It's easier for me to check a box than to, mm. and to do it myself than to hand it off. I think a lot of people are like that. We also, at Coastline, we have a lot of staff, gifted staff, it's easy for us to kind of maybe percolate and just do it here ourselves. Um, I, I th- well, that's one of the things our church planning coaches has told us. It's just you're always going to struggle with being too staff-led, too staff-driven due to how you started with as many staff as we did. Almost no church plant starts with four pastors, and we had six after six months. You Crazy. Know, it's, most start with one. So um, we always know that's going to be like one of the things that we get stuck is doing too much and – um, I appreciate those in my life who tell me I'm doing too much. Uh, you know, we've got those good people who do that and they're not wrong. Well, we need to hand over more and it's something I hope we do better with Coastline in the future. Yeah. What would you say to someone listening right now who's also kind of like, yeah, I want you to do better. Delegate more. What would you say to them? I know. Just know <laughs> that I know. Just know that I know and I'm not blind to it and naive to it. I'm not resistant to that. I know that we need to do better. And I think that we're going to have chances to do better this year as we form the leadership team and invite more people into the decision-making processes of things and, and hand off some important ministry. And um, we're on a journey. And um, this is going to be one of those things that you might have to remind me about a few times, but uh, I'm not resistant to that idea. Do you think there's a magic number or a magic ratio to like how many 
congregants or people in your church you need to help make it feel like a home? What a good question. Okay, so... Because we've come, we can just say we've come from like the commission, committee, elder model, which I think muddled, right? Like too many. But you just said it and I agree. Zero is too little, far too little. But you know, this is where my brain goes. Um, Coastline will not necessarily feel like a home when more people are serving. It, It will in some ways, right? Because I think if we're serving... It's because we are then giving of ourselves and our time and effort and gifts. And so there's an investment that's happening. And in that way, it will feel like a home. What I think will be felt more is um, when you and I get out of the familiar relationships that we live in, the cliques that exist, the safe places that we already have relationship, when we push out of those places and into places of being more warm and welcoming to the people around us, that is when it's going to feel like a home. Uh, I have just in my mind this hope is that um, when every person comes to Coastline, they will always be greeted five times when they come there. That's something I want to see happen. I want people to be greeted five times. Um, if you're first time there, I want five people to say hello and introduce themselves to you. Not just Garrick five times. <laughs> Garrick covers a lot of ground in this, and I thank God for that about him. Um, but every person I want to be greeted five times. And not only that, but I don't want any Coastline person to ever sit alone. Mm. So if you have kind of come to make Coastline your church, if you've been here four or five times, when you come and take a seat by yourself, somebody should look at you and say, hey, come sit by me. Like these are these are not big things that need to happen. These are easy things to do. But in the South Bay, just due to who we are as a people, um, it's a big city, but it functions like a small town sometimes, like in terms of history and relationships. And we can, it's an incredibly hard place to move into and to break into. Every young family I meet is desperate for community. And when Coastline um, sees themselves as being facilitators of that community and initiating that and welcoming people in, that's when it's going to really feel like a home. Where do you think we excel at making Coastline a home? And where do you think we really need to grow? I think that for, you know, if you've put a little bit of time in there, if you've been there from the beginning, that common history at the start, if you were at the Vera Lambert's backyard, if you were watching the internet show, if you were, if you've kind of been there through the ups and downs, boy, I think um, you have a real feeling of identity and purpose here in you know these people. Like I look at some of the relationships that exist between those people who were there in the early days and it's sweet and it's good and it's exactly what we want. The thing is, it could just never stop there. Mm. Um, I think oftentimes we stop there. I see this as an introvert, right? Like I feel like I can only maintain so many relationships with people. And so for me, it's very comfortable to stay with in where I am. But um, introvert or extrovert, I think we have to find ways of inviting people in and welcoming people. And so I think we got something good And that. The good news is that there's something good to invite other people into. Mm-hmm. Where do you think we need to grow? So I'm going to mention this in the sermon, and if you listen to the sermon, you'll you'll hear it. Um, I just think that we've maybe lost track that the gospel's powerful. Um, I think that we've bought into this narrative that the world's doesn't like Christians. It doesn't like the gospel. We're increasingly outsiders. Um, no one's really going to come to faith. We aren't really welcome here anymore. Um, and 
the best we can hope to do is to find a little bit of moments of peace on Sunday morning while we hide from the world the other six mm. days a week because this world's not our home. And I just think that doesn't take the gospel seriously enough. Is The gospel is the power to change us in our nature, restore us, renew us, make us born again. And if that's true, then we should believe that the gospel has the power to change any heart in any city, in every culture, at any time towards the gospel. That we, I think we just believe that the culture is stronger than Christ mm. sometimes and just think that evangelism and reaching out and inviting people is just too risky or just too hard or it's unlikely to really work. Um, and so we just don't do it. We just don't actually believe that God can move in some sort of ways. We might say it, but if you look at our actions, they just don't show people who really believe that God could change a heart. Um, and I think that given our day and age and time, people are are more open than we think. So I think we've weakened the gospel and it's power to actually change. I think you said something really fascinating about how like we hide from the world the other six days or one day a week. And, yeah. But like, I think you can also invert it. Like if the gospel is powerful, we also hide from like gospel centered community and love for six days out of the week. And we mm-hmm. just come one day a week. Sure. And so no wonder church doesn't feel like home because you're just visiting. You mm-hmm. don't live here. You don't mm-hmm. live in the reality of what's happening in the space. You just come and then you leave and you come back next week. And so I think there's probably a direct correlation to how much you're engaging with what the message of the Bible is all day, every day of the week and mm-hmm. how much you really enjoy church, mm-hmm. how much you really feel like church is home. Not to say that if the church has hurt you, like you're wrong, but just to say like, there's, I think a correlation between how much this is a part of your life and yeah. how much you love church, right? Like you and I were talking about this, um, a couple of days ago, just considering our screen time, right? Like, oh, yeah. so <laughs> I, I know for me, my screen time frequently runs, uh, two and a half hours, I think a day on my phone. Um, I think for my kids, I don't know what my kids is. It's extremely high. I know one of your kids and you don't want to know it. <laughs> I bet you my kids runs. It would surprise me if it's between four and eight hours, depending on the kid, right? That's so cute. If you just <laughs> if you just think about what we're investing in our time into, it, it's just, um, it's crazy how much time we lose hmm. just entertaining ourselves. Yeah. And, 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 if you think about just the opportunity cost of, I mean, what are we treasuring? Yeah, I was just going to say that. What are we, what are we treasuring? And well, yeah. If you put your heart in your phone, you say, that's my home. Yeah. Right? Like my, my home is this. And it feels so big because it's connected to so much, connected sure. to your friends, connected to your life, connected to mm-hmm. the world, but it's really just screen deep. You know what I mean? And it's just, we're, it's, it's our own amusement, right? Like I'm amused as I'm watching TikTok or into our own intellect of reading and learning and understanding yeah. or our own pleasure of music. Right. But it's all self, mm-hmm. you know, it's all self-involved and that's good. We shouldn't be surprised. I mean, think about it, Hunter. If, if the average person is putting two and a half hours of themselves into their phone each day, should we be surprised if church bonds and connection and relationships are weakening? How could they not? So then do you think it's like, I'll just say this, a miss to like try to on, a church level respond like, okay, so you guys are on your phone all the time. So we're going to make a podcast or like you guys never mm. bring your Bibles to church because you're on your phone. So we're just going to put all the verses in a QR code. Like, is that a miss or should we be calling people deeper and doing more? Or we're like, this is where you're at. We're going to just meet you there. 
Yeah. Um, I think that we should use every tool that we have to reach people um, for the kingdom. And I wish I could tell, I, I hope people, their two and a half hours on their phone is spent on podcasts and reading their Bible and worshiping. Like that would be great to, to think. I, I hope that's true. I just it's, think. It's not. No, but <laughs> what I really think is, um, is if you actually give people a taste of mm-hmm. a church that feels like a family and true where the love of God lives in there. If you can create that, if you could build that in the church so people fight against their worst natures and cling to one another and fight for unity and fight for loving one another and they're trying to build this thing together, um, we will make more time for one another and we'll squeeze down the technology usage. You the know? Anything. It's like, it doesn't have to be your Once phone. you taste it, right? If Once you taste it and experience it and know it, um, it's hard to settle for anything else. Yeah, and if at coastline we're telling that story each and every week you can't just engage with it once a week you Mm want to live it out you want it to be part of everything and if you know the best way to experience it in community you're going to be drawn to that right sure something i say uh, i've said a lot over the years is that i think about evangelism about telling people about jesus um and most of the time when i've taught about evangelism it's like from a should point of view right you should do this this is how you do this but i think evangelism becomes easy when we both love our church and we love our God. Hmm. And if you really are proud of your church and you're proud of God, evangelism becomes easy because you naturally you can't stop, refer to it, um, invite people to it, share it, like speak about it. Like it just kind of oozes out of you because it's something that you've actually experienced and know, and it's changing your life in really beautiful, wonderful ways. And so if just inviting anybody into church or talking about Christ, if that's hard for you, I would say, okay, let's ask two questions. Are you truly proud of God? Are you really proud of your church? And and if you're not proud, if you're not proud of your church, please go find one that you're really proud of. Like I want you to have that. Yeah. And if maybe you're not that proud of God, like well, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. What is it? Where is God too small? Not good. Where do you felt like He's not been good to you? Where do you feel disappointed by Him or or disappointed in church? But my goal is that we would build a church where people would experience the real love of God and they'd be proud of it. They would love coastline. And that at Coastline, they would experience the powerful love of God and they would experience him through the word and the spirit and through the worship and the relationships. And they'd become deeply proud of God. And those two things would come together so that we could be a movement that happens to touch the South Bay. Okay. Run with me on this one. Mm-hmm. Imagine. Ty Pennington. You have a house. Yes. And it's not great. Needs, needs some work done. You're, you're not proud of your house. You're not proud of the things inside of it. Got it. It's rough. Okay. Somebody comes to your door and says, we're going to send you on vacation. You're going to Disney World for seven days <laughs> and we're going to redo your house. Yeah. Right. And it's, you come back and it's the house you've always wanted. Yeah. Everything is intuitive to who you are. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe there are some things that you don't love about it, but mm-hmm. it's like, but I mean, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. You would tell everybody you'd go to work on Monday and mm-hmm. Hey, how was your week, Deborah? She mm-hmm. wouldn't be like, it was fine. Mm-hmm. She would not be able to stop talking about how great her house was and how thankful she is. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, as silly as it is to start at all with the extreme makeover home edition idea, it's like, it's true. Like mm-hmm. if you're really proud of these things, it will ooze out of you. Mm-hmm. And I think that is kind of the hope of the blueprint series was to give people language that they could kind of hang on the experience that they've had here at coastline and say, are you proud of what we've done? Are you, are, are you excited about what we are? If not, here are ways we can change. Here's what we can do. But I think the fundamental thesis is that everybody is invited to come in mm-hmm. and work mm-hmm. and help Coastline be home. Mm-hmm. And part of it is that 
you know, we've worked really hard, the team here, to create a blueprint and to present like a vision series to right. the church. This is where we think we need to go, but this only works if we kind of hand over the tools yeah. and invite you to build alongside of us and Which, to build this thing that we're, here's the dream, here's the blueprint, here's what scripture tells us that we could and should be. So let's go do it. I think it's also a really beautiful idea to think of Coastline being so new and there's no like legacy here of like, well, this person's been here forever, so we should maybe ask them or we should do, you know, it's like we're doing a leadership team. We're having people help. We have, we have volunteer teams all over Coastline and it's like anybody who shows up is pretty much in, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, because we're all here, we're all doing this for the first time. And I just think when you can eliminate status and ego and you can just go towards a common goal I think it's just so much better. And I think the Blueprint series has really outlined a common goal for Coastline to be this type of church. And I'm wondering from your perspective, how do you think this has gone, the sermon series? Like you, you called it a vision series. I think we kind of mentioned that in the beginning, but normally a vision series is like, here's where your money's going to go. Here's the next year of teaching. Here's, you know, our missions. Thank you. Bye. This mm -hmm. was so much different than that. You know, we're looking at different aspects of scripture, different aspects of our church. So how do you feel like this whole thing landed? Yeah. You know, um, I'll, being honest, my expectations were low um, only because, I don't know, it's it's very practical. It's not necessarily, like it's spiritual-ish, but it's, it's much more like, let's talk about how we're going to do ministry. And so I, I, I wasn't sure how it would land, but I've, I've been really happy with it. I feel like people have um, enjoyed it. They've um, been drawn into it. I can't believe how many people have t told us, like, thank you for this series, like, um, the unity one obviously was a really big yeah. deal, man. That was, uh, we have really wrestled with that for so long. It feels incredible to be on the other side of it and to see this thing that Garrick and I really believe and we've really, you know, paid a high price to kind of bring it to life, to see people embrace it, um, was so cool. Garrick told this great story yesterday that just blessed me so much where he was talking to two women in the church, one who was more on the conservative complementarian side, one who is more on the egalitarian side. And they both were so excited about where we're landing with women in ministry because they knew that there was going to be space for them here at the church. They would be accepted for kind of who they were without necessarily being judged for that position. And also knowing that the same would be true for the other side and that we're going to move forward together. And that, and that story just blessed me like crazy because that's, you know, if you try to think like what would be one of the great dreams that would come out of this blueprint series, like that's better than I could have hoped for. Yeah, it really is. So uh, I'm really happy with it. Um, I'm really excited about Coastline. I really believe God's doing something here. I think that the biggest obstacle to us actually being able to do all this is our willingness to get out of our South Bayness. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, and that's like a series I'm hoping we're going to do in January is surviving the South Bay. South is, Bayness. Yeah, it is like, I think this is just a hard place. It's a great place to live and it's a hard place to grow a church because all the money and success and the relationships and the history. So um, if we can be willing to trust God that he can move even here, I think that we've got a chance to see um, us be a part of something really wonderful and joyful. Man, that's very compelling. Very, very exciting. Um Fun to do a vision series like this. Yeah. Fun to do one that's a little different, but definitely feels coastline. Well, and I would tell you, like, I've done these at Rolling Hills, and it always is hard to cast a vision series because the church has got so much history. Yes. Bill McPhee used to say, like, changing a large church was like trying to turn around a cruise ship. 
it just takes a really long time to get that thing turned around versus coastline feels like a speedboat. <laughs> so it feels like in the early days, we're so nimble. We can do these things. You can cast vision and, and try to go in a new direction. And I, th- I think we're, we're going there. Yeah. And I just think that fundamentally we sit through a lot of sermons. We have a lot of content thrown at you. I think that people will always remember that unity weekend to say like that was really the moment where coastline was able to say like, this is what it means to be coastline for one side to say the other side, Oh, this is your home just as much as it's my home. Mm -hmm. And we're both as welcome as the other here. And I think that is, that is the hope and that's the vision. And I think as much as we can adopt that mindset and everything, not just with women in ministry, but just Mm -hmm. like worship styles, songs, we like uh, time we meet, Mm -hmm. you know, philosophy of this, that, or the other thing, like as much as we can say, well, this is my belief and it's not as important as, you know, Jesus dying and rising Mm -hmm. again, I can welcome you still. I think that's just so beautiful. And I think that's been the heart of the series. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's been the heart of the staff and that's what we want for coastline. And I think that's the kind of home I want to be a part of. Yeah. I I want to be the kind of home that says like, you're welcome in here. And I think one of the reasons why it's so appealing is because we just haven't really as much as you talk about it and dream about it, most of us haven't experienced it yet. No. And so that's part of it is like, it feels like, oh, we're actually, we're, we're actually experiencing this thing that, that we would say is our value, but we, we've never seen it. We didn't think we'd get there. Um, and it feels like we, we are on our way and it, it's going to be touchable. It's going to be tangible. Touchable, tangible. Touchable, That's tangible. the next vision series. <laughs> I keep thinking of like surviving the South Bay. I can see like the, uh, the map of the South Bay and like, instead of it's cities, it's like, the different things that we're going to have to survive in the South Bay. Oh yeah. And then like every week we could name, like what are the prevalent sins for each city? Like in nope, La Mida, nope, 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 in nope, nope, San nope, Pedro, nope, 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 in Rolling Hills. That's, that's, that's not what we're doing. No. But what I think we could do is every week have a different restaurant cater. Oh, different South Bay restaurant. Like it, this week is LBJ's week. That and it's would be gluttony. A, it would give Garrick another chance to get rid of tacos. <laughs> <laughs> wow that was really funny it's really funny because we were having a meeting yesterday and garrick we were talking about july 2nd weekend and sean goes are we gonna do communion garrick's like nope and sean's like oh, we do tacos garrick goes nope there and is then again. sean said another reason another reason you're gonna cancel tacos i just thought that was the funniest thing oh i know no, but we, you know what? Home means Garrett can cancel tacos. And he's, no, actually, no, no, no. That does no. not mean that. That's where I draw the line. You don't no. cancel my tacos. Yeah, I can't wait to work on the branding for Surviving the South Bay. I think it's going to be really fun. Isn't it the worst Sunday of your month when you come to church after a taco week and you recognize there's no tacos there? And you just got the date wrong? No, you just like, we had tacos last week. They're not going to be here this week. I know. I'm just at church now. I know. Hey. Like what, what sort of, we should ask Garrick, what would the giving need to increase to, to have tacos every week? Just, oh boy. Oh just, boy. I, just so Coastline knows I'm the four, four time a month taco guy. Oh, like, I'm let's just go there. Eight. Let's just make it. Eight times let's a month. Let's lean really into like being, we're really a home. And we're a the family. taco church. Yeah. Taco church. Taco church. Dude, that's awesome. Sure. And if I had my own home made by Ty Pennington, there would be a, a taco man there every day. That'd be my big surprise. It'd just be Lloyd with a tortilla maker, just there helping you make the tortillas. And yep. Yeah. That'd be my dream. That, that's a good... It's like you read my journal, Sean. <laughs> Your dream journal. My dream journal. <laughs> well, speaking of dreams, it's always a dream to talk to you, Sean, on the podcast. I love it when we get this time together when nobody else is here and we could just really <laughs> just jump the it. shark. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, 
I have no plans of stopping the podcast anytime soon. So this is going to just keep happening. All right. Well, you know where I'm <laughs> just the office next door and we'll see you next week. Thank you guys for listening. And thank you for the blueprint series. Uh, thank you for all the people who have participated and especially all the people who have come and given us great feedback, especially about the unity thing. I think we're all a little nervous about that and it really ended up being a lot better than we could have imagined, which I think is kind of the thesis of Coastline. And every week thereafter. I knew you were going to do that. I just <laughs> knew you were going to do that. If I had a million dollars, I would have put it all on you doing that. I'm going to go buy a lotto ticket. We'll see you. Bye. Bye.